Well, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to hold it up right now and repeat after me these words of affirmation. This is the affirmation that our church holds on to when it comes to the Word of God. This is the Word of God. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Because if the Bible is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live, then that means we need to dig into God's Word, not just every Sunday, but every single day. Now my first encounter with death that I can remember was when I was about 9 or, or 10 years old. My family had moved to Hartsville, South Carolina. We had moved from a small community outside of Holly Hill in the low country of South Carolina. And my dad received a call that a friend of mine who was a little older than I was, this family went to our church. He had accidentally shot and killed himself while cleaning his shotgun. And so we went back to that little community outside of Holly Hill and we went to their house and I was sitting there in their house with my mom and my dad and I was thinking about my friend who was now dead. And I thought about the times that we had, the, the times that we had spent playing in that very house. I, I looked up the, the stairs that went upstairs to where his bedroom was and I thought that, that he would no longer be in that bedroom. He would not be in that bedroom anymore. That day was the day that the reality of death became real to me. I, I don't really know how I felt emotionally. I was so young and that was so long ago that I, I don't really remember. But since that time, unfortunately, I've experienced a lot of death in my life. As a pastor, I've lost friends. I've lost family. I've lost church members, people that I knew very well, people that I hardly knew. And there were times that I was even asked to do funerals for for people that were complete strangers. During that time, since the time that I, I lost that friend at 9 or 10, both my grandparents have died. Both of Sherry's sets of grandparents have died. This past year during the COVID epidemic, while my dad was in quarantine, he died in a nursing home. But the death that I will never get out of my mind, the death that is always with me, is the death of my son Joshua. It happened suddenly, it happened unexpectedly. We weren't given the chance to prepare for it. But at that moment, death became very real to me. Death became very personal to me. Now there are probably many people in this room this morning who have experienced somewhat of the exact same thing. You were going through life, everything was Great, and then all of a sudden, you were looking death straight in the face. 
If it hasn't happened to you yet, trust me, it will. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. It doesn't matter how healthy or how unhealthy. You can be a gym rat or a couch potato, but one day, someday, you're going to look death in the face. Now, we're coming near to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. And we've discovered that, that Solomon, who is toward the end of his life, he is old now, he is looking back at his life, the way that he has lived, and he tells us that everything is meaningless. Everything is empty. Nothing in life has purpose. That is, if you live life under the sun, if you live life apart from God. And, and that's what Solomon had been doing. He had been living his life apart from God. And when he was living his life apart from God, he said, it's all empty, it's all meaningless, it's all useless, there's no purpose in life. And he told us, you can even have all the wisdom in the world, and Solomon did. He, he was the wisest man who ever lived, and he said, all of this wisdom will not bring meaning to life. Solomon told us that you can try every pleasure that you could possibly imagine and it won't bring meaning to your life. He tells us that you could have more money than you could ever spend. And it won't bring meaning to your life. He tells us that you can work hard and be successful at what you do. But none of that will bring meaning to life. Because life is meaningless. Life is empty without God. And now Solomon is concluding his argument that, that life is empty. And as he's concluding his argument, he pulls out his final card, his ace in the hole to prove that life under the sun is meaningless. And the final argument that Solomon makes is death. If life really meant something, then there wouldn't be death and death wouldn't be so final for us. So he tells us that death is the final argument that, that this life, life without God, is meaningless. Now for many of us today, death is a frightening thing. Death is a confusing thing. It, it doesn't make sense to us. So, so Solomon tries to unpack some truths for us to help us better understand death. And the first thing he tells us is that life is uncertain. Write that down. Put it in the margin of your Bible. Life is uncertain. Now we know that hypothetically. We know that life is uncertain. We see it every day. I mean in the moment. In the twinkling of an eye, life can be taken from us. But the problem is we don't live that way. We don't live like life is uncertain. Jesus told a story about this man who was very rich. And he had so many crops that were coming in that he didn't even have enough barns to hold all of his crops. And so he decided that he was going to build bigger barns so that he could hold all the crops that his, that his fields were bringing in. He was going to be a very wealthy man. And what he said was this. 
He said, I'm going to build bigger barns to hold everything that my crops, uh, that my fields are producing so that I can eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus said, God was looking down from heaven and God said, you're a fool because today you will die. You see, life can be going great for us. We can think we have all the time in the world. We can be making preparations to do what we want to do when we retire. But all of a sudden, our life is taken from us. James said this. He said that life is like the morning fog. It's here and then it's gone. I remember when I was a college student getting word that, that one of my friends who was younger than I was, he he died in a car accident. He was driving his car, and, and he ran his car into a telephone pole. He died instantly. I don't know what happened. I don't know whether he was drinking. I don't know whether he was high on drugs. He wasn't living for the Lord. He could have hit a wet spot in the road. A deer could have run out in front of him. I don't know what happened. What I do know is that he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. And life is uncertain. You see, what I've discovered is, is most of us may think that we have plenty of time. We may think that we have plenty of time to do those things that we know are important, but we're going to do them later. But what you need to realize is that life is uncertain. And you may be planning on doing those important things later, but if you wait, you may discover that your life is taken from you before you have that opportunity. And that's what Solomon tells us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14, the last part of that verse, this is what Solomon says. He says, remember that nothing in life is certain. Nothing. You can make your plans. You can make your preparations. You can do everything you need to do. And yet, never experience any of it because your life is taken from you. Life is uncertain. So Solomon tells us something. He tells us that because life is uncertain, it is wise to think about death. Now, we don't like to do that. But Solomon says because our life is uncertain, we don't know when it's going to be taken away. We need to think about death. In verse 4 of chapter 7, this is what he says. He says, a wise person thinks a lot about death, but a fool thinks only about having a good time. A wise person thinks about death, ponders death, prepares for death. But a fool, a fool is living for the moment. A fool can't see beyond the good time, the pleasure of the moment. Solomon says that person is a fool. Now, the reason we don't like to think about death, the reason we don't like to talk about death, if we're honest, is because most of us are scared of death. We may not admit it, but in the back of our mind, we're scared. We don't want to die. A sociologist, Ernest Becker, said this. He said, of all the things that move men, one of the principal ones is his terror of death. When we're younger, we hardly think about death because we feel like we've got our entire life ahead of us. But all of us know people, maybe family members, whose life was taken away when they were young. Young people don't think about death very often. 
As we get older, we think more about death. And the reason we do is because we look around and people we went to school with, our peers, our co-workers who are our age, they're dying around us. And as we see the people around us, our age dying, we realize, you know, death is coming for me as well. So Solomon tells us we better think about death because it's coming. Now listen, I'm not talking about this unhealthy preoccupation with death. I'm not talking about thinking about death in a morbid or depressing sort of way. I'm talking about thinking about it in the way that will keep the reality of death before you. The reality that is coming. Now, now we sometimes say we need to live like today is our last day or we need to live like this week is our last week. To be honest with you, that's not good advice. Because i got to be honest with you, if this was my last week, I would empty out our bank accounts. And I would take Sherry and we'd start traveling around the world until I died. But what would happen if Friday came and I was still alive? And I quit my job and all our money is gone. You see, it's not a wise thing to live like today's your last day. But it is wise to live like death is on the horizon. Death could be around the next turn. Now again, thinking about death, talking about death with other people, it shouldn't cause us to fear death. Because the Bible says God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. I mean, if, if there is a dread when it comes to death, if there is a fear when it comes to death, there is something missing, there is something lacking in our relationship with God. And so Solomon tells us life is uncertain, so it's wise to think about death. Why? Well, because death is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Every one of us is going to face death. No one can avoid death. We may not know when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, or how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. We may be able to prolong our life through good habits, through a healthy lifestyle, but sooner or later, death is going to catch up with each and every one of us. You may think that, no, not me. I'm going to go get in a cryogenic chamber, you know, before I die. And then I'm going to let them dethaw me, unthaw me when they've got a cure for death. Well, I got news for you. When they unthaw you, death is going to greet you. Because none of us can outrun death. None of us can hide from death. Everybody is in line for death to stamp our card. You may be in the front of the line. You don't know. You may be toward the back of the line. You don't know. You may be somewhere in the middle of the line. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. Wherever you are in line, you're moving up. And you're getting closer and closer and closer to having your card stamped. You can't avoid it. There's an ancient story called the merchant in Baghdad. And it's a story about this merchant who had a servant. And, and he sent his servant to the market in Baghdad to buy some things. And while the servant, servant was at the market, 
he was brushed up against by someone. He turned and it was death. And death was staring at him. As you can imagine, it scared the servant. So he ran back to his master and said, Master, you'll never imagine what happened in the market. Death brushed up against me. I think death is coming after me. Can you give me your horse so that I can ride your horse to Samaria and hide from death? And his master gave him his horse and the servant got on his horse and he rode it as fast as he could to hide out in Samaria. Later on that afternoon, the merchant went to the market in Baghdad and he saw death. And he asked death, why did you stare at my servant here in the market? And death said, well, I was surprised because I've got an appointment with your servant in Samaria tonight. And I didn't expect to see him in Baghdad. You see, you may think that you can hide you can run, you can avoid death, but you can't. It's coming for you. Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Well, the problem is we're all going to be there when it happens. Will Rogers said there are two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. Well, the reality is taxes aren't certain. There are people that avoid taxes. But I tell you what, you can't avoid death. In the movie Forrest Gump, Forrest's wife, Jenny, had died, and he's standing over her grave. And as he's standing over her grave, he says, Mama's always, Mama always said that dying was a part of living. I sure wish it wasn't. Have you ever felt that way? She said some, goodbye to somebody you loved. You can run from death, but death's going to catch you. You can hide from death, but... Death is going to find you. Death is our common denominator. I want you to listen to some words that Solomon said. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He said, for the wise and the foolish both die. doesn't matter whether you live a wise life or a foolish life. You're going to eventually die. In Ecclesiastes 8 verse 8. He said, none of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. There's no escaping that obligation, that dark battle. And in the face of death, wickedness will certainly not rescue the wicked. No one is going to be able to keep that day from coming. In Ecclesiastes 9, verse 2, Solomon says, The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, righteous or irreligious, religious or ir irreligious. Good people receive this, the same treatment as sinners. And people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. Solomon gives us this contrast of six different types of people. And what he's saying is it really doesn't matter how you live your life. You can't avoid death. Every single one of us. Every one of us is going to die. But why? Why does death come to the good just like it comes to the bad? Well, to understand that question we have to go all the way back to the beginning to Genesis 1 2 and 3 the Bible says at the very beginning that God created everything out of nothing and each day when God created something God said it is good and then he created man in his own image in his own likeness he made man like himself and God created man he said it is very 
And then he gave man and woman dominion over the earth, to rule over it, to subdue it. He told them to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He gave them this beautiful garden paradise to enjoy. Now in this paradise, perfect paradise, there were two special trees. There were lots of trees, but there were two special trees. One was the tree of life. The other was the tree of knowledge, knowledge of good and evil. And God told Adam and Eve that they could eat from any tree in the garden except one. It wasn't the tree of life. It was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But Satan came into the garden in the form of a serpent. And he told Adam and Eve, if you eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge, you will be just like God. And who, who doesn't want to be like God? Who wouldn't like to be a God? And Adam and Eve bought Satan's lie. They ate from the tree of knowledge. And the Bible says immediately their eyes were opened. They recognized that they were naked. They were exposed. They were filled with shame. And they hid from God. Why? Because they had disobeyed him. They did the one thing God told them not to do. And immediately their purity was removed. Sin entered their life. God warned them. You eat the fruit of this tree, you will die. Immediately their bodies began to die. They were kicked out of paradise. They were blocked from eating the tree of life. Lest they eat that fruit and live in a sinful state for eternity. And the wages that their sin brought to them was transmitted into each and every one of us because we're their heirs. And we have what they have, a disease called sin. And sin brings shame. Sin brings hardship. Sin brings death. Death is inevitable. But here's the good news. Death is not invincible. Death is not the end. There is something after death. Did you know that the majority of people in America believe that? You see, the majority of people in America don't believe that death is the end, that we die and then we're no more. The majority of people believe that there is an afterlife. In a recent study that was done just a couple of years ago, 72% of Americans, regardless of their religious background, believed in heaven. 72% of all Americans believed in heaven. Only 58% believed in hell. You see, everybody wants to believe in heaven. Very few people want to believe in hell. But the point is, there is something inside of us that causes us to know there's something more. Death is not the end. Solomon said it this way. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He said, yes, remember your creator now while you were young. In other words, you need to focus your mind on God while you have a chance. 
And then he says, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. In other words, focus on God while you can before you die. Don't wait until the water water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. Don't wait until you die. Then it's too late. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to the God who gave it. What does Solomon say? When we die, dust returns to dust. Our bodies, they will decay. They'll return to dust. But the moment we die, our spirit returns to the God who gave the spirit to us. You see, when you and I die... We walk through the door of death. But where we end up will determine what happened here on this earth. We're going to walk through the door, but the question is, where is that door going to lead? Is it going to lead to heaven or is it going to lead to hell? Because the Bible makes it clear that once we die, there is a judgment. Each and every one of us will be judged by God. Death is not the end. And so we need to be prepared. And so in light of death, and in light of the fact that death is not ultimately the end, how do we live? Well, let me give you four things, then we're going we're gonna to close. First of all, focus on how you're going to finish. All too often, we focus on how we start. It's not how you start the race that's important. It's how you finish the race that is important. Listen to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8. He said, finishing is better than starting. (laughs) If you start the race, but you don't finish the race, what does it really matter? And if you finish the race, but you finish last, that's not good. You see, we need to focus on how we're going to finish. We live our life with the end in mind. Did you hear that? I don't live my life for the moment. I live my life for the final goal, the final aim, where I want to be. I'm reading a book right now, and it's entitled Gun Lap. If you're a track and field Fan, you know that the gun lap is the final lap. The gun goes off and it's, it, it lets us know you're on the final lap of the race. And gun lap is a book that talks about how we are to live as we head into our gun lap. The final lap of the race. And for most of us, I mean the reality is. That when we get above 60, we're in the gun lap. We're in that final lap of our race. And so, man, I want to run this final lap well. Are you preparing yourself for the end of the race? Focus on how you're going to finish. Second, don't live in the past Many of us do that. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 10, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Many of us do that. I mean, I I, I turn on the TV today and um, 
and I'll hear this just foul, profane language. And I will see values being taught that are just absolutely opposite of what I believe and what I hold on to. And I, I just get disgusted and, and I long for the good old days of, of Gilligan's Island and, and Green Acres and the Beverly Hillbillies and, and Gunsmoke. And then it dawned on me. I'm longing for the good old days when they'd kill each other and they would go into a bar where you got prostitutes and they'd get drunk. It's really no different than the day we're living in right now. I mean, you see, all too often when we look at the good old days, we're looking at them through a lens that isn't exactly true. But I think the point that that Solomon is making here is we don't focus on past accomplishments and past joys. We don't focus on past um, regrets and past sins. We don't live looking at the past. We live looking at the future. The third thing Solomon says is enjoy your life. I mean, a lot of the fact that death is coming, enjoy life. Listen to what he said. He says, so go ahead. Eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly, earthly toil. Whatever you do, do well, for when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. But what Solomon is saying here, looking from uh, the life under the sun view, is... You need to enjoy life. And I would say to you, God intends for you to enjoy life. Some of us have this idea that when we become holy, when our desire is to be righteous, that means that we no longer can have fun in life. And that's the craziest thing in the world. God wants us to enjoy life. So Solomon says, go out for a good meal. Get you a big steak. Baked potato, all the trimmings. He says, go out and get you some nice clothes. My wife and I were reading this verse literally this week. And when I read that verse, Sherry said, I'm going shopping. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying right now. says, put on some cologne and enjoy the, your wife. Enjoy your job. What he's saying here is life is too short to go through life miserable. Enjoy your life. Someone said it this way. Have a blast while you last. <laughs> you see, you can either determine that I'm going to live miserable and depressed and down and out. Or I'm going to say I'm going to make the most of life. Whatever life gives me. And then the final thing I would say to you is this. Surrender your life to God's control. Listen to what Solomon says. Two passages, Ecclesiastes 8. He says, but even though a person sins a hundred times and still lives a long life, I know that those who fear God will be better off. He goes on to say, the wicked will not prosper for they do not fear God. Their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. He's saying, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that in the end, it's better to fear God, our Creator. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, he said this. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do. Did you get that? Remember Hebrews 9 is appointed to the man once to die. After that, what? The judgment. 
Solomon said, God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So he said, one day we're going to face God and we're going to give an account. Every single one of us will face God. We're going to give an account of our life. And the crazy thing, the Old Testament and the New Testament, both makes it clear that there are no secrets hidden from God. The vile things, the selfish things, the dirty things, the mean things. We've said, we've done, that we thought were hidden from everybody. God knows. He knows. Even those things in your brain, your mind, that never leave your mouth, they're never acted on. God knows them. No secret thing will be hidden. So here's what I know. <laughs> Fearing God is surrendering your life to him, recognizing he is God, living your life under his control. But, can I let you in on a little secret? You can make the determination right here and now that you're going to fear God for the rest of your life. It's not going to get you to heaven. It's not going to do it. Because you'll never live a good enough life. To deserve to go to heaven. Heaven is a perfect place. And none of us, none of us are perfect. We can't be let in. No matter what you do from here on out, sell everything you've got. Go work at a mission. Go do whatever you want. It's not going to be good enough. You can't earn your way to heaven. Your good deeds will not defeat death. But the good news is we have an advocate who has defeated death for us. And that's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. It's talking about the resurrection when, when we get new bodies. It says, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over sin and death comes only through Jesus. We humble ourselves before him, laying our lives before him, begging for his mercy, his grace. And because he is loving, he freely gives it to us if we only ask. Death's coming. You can't avoid it. It's coming to every one of us in this room. 
there are some of you here in this room today that will not be in this room next year. And I'm not talking about because you leave our church. I'm talking about because you're going to leave this earth. Statistics will prove that out. Maybe me. But it may be you. It could be a lot of us. Are you ready? Have you given your life to Jesus? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, if you're here, you've never turned to your Creator, surrendering your life to Him, trusting Him to forgive you, then I want to encourage you right here, right now, quit playing games. Give your life to the one who made you and wants to spend eternity with you. If that's what you desire, pray this prayer right now. Dear God, I humbly come to you today admitting that I'm a sinner. I've disobeyed you. I've lived life my way. I've acted as if I were God. Forgive me. I'm tired of it. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you rose from the grave defeating sin and death for me. Right now, I'm asking you to save me. You're my only hope. I'm surrendering my life to you because you know what's best. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.